We're all in business for a reason. The problem that so many small business owners have is that they go in 10 million different directions, not really sure which way to go. Listen as your team of experts, Jennifer Glass, Daniel McCrane, and Patricia Rezzatillo, go through what you need in your business to really make it stand out and benefit you. Because it's the bottom line that matters. Welcome to another episode of It's the Bottom Line That Matters podcast, where we are dedicated to your success. On today's program, we're going to be answering some questions that we've received from you, our listeners, as it relates to operating your business and trying to help you figure out how best to proceed. So the first one that we got was, how often should we be updating our websites? between adding content, between changing content. We know that Google, as an example, and by the way, when I say Google, I mean that as all search engines, not just Google. So please know that what we're talking about, we're talking about. The search engines are looking at content and what is being changed, what is being added, what's being removed as something that shows that the site is valid it's active and is going to be providing value to the audience that is searching for your terms. So the question that we got was how often should we be creating content, putting content, changing content on the website? Who wants to take that one? Oh, I can chime in a little bit, I guess. Um, how often to update? Yeah, we're probably all aware that there's some kind of algorithm somewhere for those search engines out there that uh, crawl our website and look at the frequency of updates. Um, do you really want to try to game the system, though? Um, that's beyond my ability. <laughs> I certainly can't figure that out. Uh, so in practical terms, to answer this question, how often should you update? I would say you should update the website every time something changes in your business. So if uh, people change, you know, you see those pages about us, meet our team or something like that. If you've got personnel changes, update the website. Uh, if you don't offer products anymore or those services, update the website. If you've got a new pricing structure, you know, whatever it is, update the website. If you have new information to share, happenings around the office, uh, something like that, then update the website. So that would be my recommendation. Um, whatever it is, though, it cannot be just a one and done kind of a thing with your website. Um, I was looking at a competitor's website for one of my clients this week, and the website was a style that goes all the way back to the late 80s or early 90s. And <laughs> I don't think... Maybe all the content is still valid, but the style of the website was very dated. <laughs> well, let me throw something out there because you mentioned the style. Craigslist and Google have been the same since the 90s. Well, no, Google came out after, but it hasn't changed, right? It's just a search box. And I'm feeling lucky in search. That's the Google page, right? I mean, it's pretty simple. It's as simple as it can get. Craigslist, is still the exact same thing. 
Putting that aside, though, I mean, there's a reason for that sometimes to work because people appreciate simplicity. It doesn't have to have the flashiness that's out there. But let me throw something out because you mentioned in terms of changing when things change in the business. I want to throw something out there in terms of blog posts. Blogs is one of those pages that Google and the other engines are indexing on a regular basis. As long as your robot's file does not specifically block it. And if it does, ask your web person, why is it blocking it? (laughs) Putting that aside, though. And by the way, if you don't know what the robot's text file is, don't worry about it. It's up to your web guy then to figure that out. And as long as you don't know what you're doing and they do, you probably should be okay. We're not going to get involved in that right now. That's for a whole other conversation. But blog posts. Consider adding onto posts. If you can add more value onto posts or if the information changes, right? If you wrote a post in 2018 and you are writing about the trends in 2018 or the you know, remainder of that decade, it may be time to change the information that's there because the content may or may not still be valid. However, if you're writing about new business opportunities and new trends, you can certainly be adding on to blog posts because as things are happening, you can be editing those pages that Google is going to be seeing those updates as changes to the content on the site It's also going to be helping you with keyword rankings because those pages have already been indexed. And so the more keywords that are coming in, the easier that ranking is going to be helping you as opposed to needing to wait for Google and the other engines to start finding that page. And so it's really important to think how can you keep pages evergreen and adding even more value in terms of what's on there. And don't be afraid to make pages 10,000 sheets of paper long. I kid you not, there's a company, digitalmarketer.com, that they went on one of their blog posts, and I think it took five or six reams of paper when they printed out that (laughs) uh, blog post. And so it's really one of those things that as you're looking at what you're trying to do, How can you add even more value to the same post? What you don't want to do, though, is just have it keep going without a link to take me to where the newest content is. So put some sort of anchor link, and if you don't know what that means, ask your web guy. But have an anchor link that's going to take you to the newest information so I don't have to read through four of those reams before I get to the fifth ream. And so you really want to see what is going to give you more and more value in terms of where you are as it relates to that. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. That's wild. (laughs) Five or six reams. That's Reams oh and a ream of paper is 500 sheets of paper, just in oh case you didn't goodness. know that. 
I don't know if it was double spaced or, you know, double sided. I don't remember that part of the story, but I remember on one of the office hours uh, that they did, I heard that and I was just floored when I heard that number. Uh, but that's exactly what it came out to. It's like some of the congressional bills. Um, anyway. Oh, I just had another thought for um, content update on your website. Um, say you're in the, the business where you produce projects or something, uh, you get done working with a specific client. Um, you may update your portfolio on your we're, website as well. Uh, yeah. Update testimonials. Adding there, more case studies. Case studies. Yeah. yeah. Case studies, white papers, all of that. There's so many opportunities just to keep adding. Yeah. Patricia, did you have anything to add on that? No, I, I was going for the case study thing. Okay. We concurred. <laughs> Perfect. Next question we got was, should I be looking at using synchronous or asynchronous video to chat with clients and prospects? So let me first explain that. That way you all understand what it means before we jump into that topic. So synchronous video, if you think about Skype, if you think about Zoom, if you think about Microsoft Teams, things like that, where you are on the same screen as somebody else at the same time, you are having a synchronous conversation, meaning it's back and forth right at that moment. Asynchronous, on the other hand, is where one party records a message, whether it's video or audio, sends it to the other party, they then respond at their leisure as it's available to them, and they then send back the same recorded message in audio or video form. So as we look at synchronous versus asynchronous, is there a benefit to one or the other? Hmm. Well, certainly when you can talk back and forth like you would in real life, you can you know, not have to over explain stuff or go down a wrong rabbit hole or you know, any of these other issues. You can, you know, you can you can troubleshoot, you can clarify what the other person is asking or needs a lot more easily. It's so funny you mentioned rabbit hole because I'm thinking Daniel with his magic cat, you know, pulling us out of our rabbit holes on this program. And for our loyal listeners, you know exactly what we mean uh, on the rabbit hole. Uh, but anyway, I completely agree with you. There is that value of gaining clarity. But there's also something else, and while it's not relevant to the topic, it's relevant to the point you meant about clarity and clarifying specific points, and that is when somebody asks you something that you're not sure of, don't be afraid to say, I'm not sure, let me check, right? Worst thing that can happen is you going and saying the wrong information when you're not really sure exactly what the answer is. And there's been plenty of times where people have asked me specific questions and I've opined and I 
specifically say I am thinking here in terms of what I might do, but I'm not really sure. Very often, though, if it's something that I'm not sure, I will let them know I don't know the answer, and I will get back with them. So think how you can do that, and you can do that in a synchronous or asynchronous manner. Um, and it doesn't matter if it's email, if it's whatever kind of form it is, you can get back with people and just let them know exactly how that works. I would say that the, this question about using synchronous or asynchronous video kind of falls on communication types that have already existed. Um, so, you know, written correspondence is most likely going to be asynchronous because I have to write out my question or my response and send it to you. Then you read it, you respond, you write out your response, you send it back to me. And so that's where the asynchronous video would come into play. Or if we pick up the phone or if we meet face to face, then we could have that synchronous conversation. And I think the strategy of using synchronous or asynchronous video comes down to what are you trying to accomplish? Can this be served uh, in a scenario where it is asynchronous, where someone is responding at their own time, in their own pace? Um, is there a time crunch that we need to be aware of? Um, what kind of communication limitations are we up against that, that uh, both of you have already mentioned? Uh, but I think if the if our listener who asked this question would think about it in how does the client want to have this conversation with you, how would they best be served, that might help answer the question of asynchronous versus synchronous video. And in terms of using video rather than an already other existing communication method you may already have, I would say that the video just adds that more personal touch to it when you can't be face-to-face, uh, -face, when you can't be right next to each other. So there's some value in doing the video, uh, but ask yourself that question of what are you trying to accomplish? What are the customer expectations? Would the video exceed those customer expectations? Um, can you support synchronous video? That'd be another uh, situation too. Um, well, you know, and some things... You know, yeah. it might be just a quick answer to a question. Mm -hmm. You don't need to make an appointment and get on Zoom and all of that stuff when just a quick answer would suffice. Sure. Yeah, that's a great point. It also allows, by the way, for people that are in other time zones to have meetings where you can record these messages. And this is really important if you are here in the United States and you are speaking with someone in Asia or in Australia, as an example, I mean, one of the people that I interviewed for another one of my programs was in New Zealand. And coordinating a time to speak with him uh, became an issue simply because being on the other side of the planet, uh, it was a completely, you know, when can we actually speak? And sometimes it's really easy, like here in the United States, there's a difference of up to six hours 
right? One of the people that work on my team, she's based in Hawaii. So I know she's six hours behind me from the East Coast to Hawaii. Difference in six hours is not terrible. A difference in 14 to 18 hours can be a little more problematic when you're trying to find the right timing when it can actually work. And so there's those uh, times when asynchronous can actually be more beneficial in terms of being in a position to address those needs as well. Yeah. Yeah. All great points. I don't have much more to add. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's okay, a then. question, but I, I think it, it really comes back to what are your current business strategies uh, for communicating with clients? And if you want to step it up to video, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, it makes it real. It, it makes it a lot more personal. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's this real personal touch. You know, this person is talking to you and, you know, you can see them and you can see the expression on their face and you get all of that communication information that you lose when you communicate via text. So while this wasn't part of the question that came in, let me throw a different idea out to you. And that is personalized video. So there's a lot of companies that are offering the ability to personalize video where you can send those videos to people you're speaking with. There's companies like Dub and all of those other uh, programs that allow you to be on camera, record a message for people, email it to them, and have them work with you through that video. So it's kind of an asynchronous method of communicating, but it's a way of prospecting without having to do more other than record. I mean, there's one in particular I'm thinking where someone probably went through a system that just put in, hi, Jennifer, as a graphic overlay on the video where he recorded the video, went through some sort of program to just put that graphic overlay on there so that it was able to be personalized for 500 people and sent that note out as, I made this video special for you. Well, yeah, he did because it had that personalized uh, graphic as the overlay. Again, while this wasn't part of that question, what are your thoughts in that? Yeah, I think that's a nice touch. Um, it's a little more. It adds the no like and trust factor. Yeah. In the yeah, sense it, that I get to see you in the eye, but does that add value, detract value, or does that not change perspective? Anytime you can add somebody's name in and get the right name in. <laughs> Hello, Frank. I am not Frank, but okay. <laughs> Anytime you I've can add their name. So often, by the way. <laughs> For some reason, I keep getting called Jessica. What's really funny, by the way, is that I spoke with a Jessica 
uh, not that Jennifer. long ago, and she told me she keeps getting called Jennifer. <laughs> I'm like, that is really, really funny. Uh, <laughs> when we exchanged the facts, I'm like, I guess our parents misnamed us. But <laughs> however that goes, um, when we look at that video, and I didn't want to cut you off, so adding the name is important, and there's that study that says the most appealing sound to our brain is our own name. Yeah. yeah. But if the sound is not there where it's Jennifer, Patricia, Daniel, it's just an overlay, is it's, that going to have the same impact? Maybe not the same full impact, but it's still valuable because I know that it was made for me. Even if it was mass produced and added on in a computer sort of fashion, but it's personal. So let me ask you another question in that realm. If it said Patricia, but you go by Trish, you go by Patty, you go by Pat, would that make a difference? Considering I go by Patricia and if it said Patty and it wasn't from, you know, specific friends or you know, specific individuals that I allow to call me Patty. I mean, yeah, it would, it would, it would, it would have some value, but it wouldn't have as much value as if they use Patricia. So you got to make sure you got the name right. I'd be like, where did you get this? So I'm going to throw something out there on LinkedIn. My first name is in there as Jennifer R. Because that is, you know, it's, I'm using my middle initial. And if R went in front of my last name, then nobody would find me when they're looking for me because nobody would know to look for R space glass in terms of what they're trying to look for. So I put in Jennifer R as the name. But my question though is, as it relates to having the name come in there then because on LinkedIn and I even get emails, Hey, Jennifer R. And I know exactly they're just pulling the information from LinkedIn. They're just pulling Would data. that make that difference. Right. It's a mail merge then. Would that make a difference? Uh, it, my first thought when I, I get those kinds of things like that is, okay, this is obviously an automated um, correspondence here. Um, so my first thought is to ignore it, but I will usually give people the chance and, and I'll read through it to see what the rest of the message is about. Mm -hmm. And if it's worth, uh, you know, have they taken the time to actually offer me something that's worth my time that has value to me. You know, if it's another one of these SEO offers that they've obviously not done any research on me again, then no, I, no, I can tell immediately by the tone of your automated scripted template that <laughs> you have no idea who I am. <laughs> yeah. You mean that Nigerian prince that wants to marry me? <laughs> He's oh, I exception. never get that, but I'm talking about the SEO people out there. And you know who you are sending me. <laughs> oh, I get, I get a ton of those things also, but I mean, I love the ones that are coming from the princes, you know, cause what girl doesn't want to be a princess, 
But, I mean, it's just really funny because you get these solicitations, and it may not be for the men. I mean, you know, they know specifically, let's go after the women. Okay, fine. But <laughs> At least they've done that as, much research. <laughs> oh, LinkedIn, by the way, has turned into a dating pool. I mean, oh, it's I know. ridiculous. I don't know about you, Patricia, but I get so many guys trying to hit on me, and it's just such, such a turnoff. Yeah. You know, especially early on. You know, and I mean, there's one guy in particular, he's been messaging me for a while, and he's like, Would you consider coming to Dubai and, you know, <laughs> doing something? And, you know, would you like to be one of my wives? No, I don't want to be one of your wives. Sorry, you know. Uh, well, hey, let's yeah. reel this back in and get back on topic. What if he sent you a video? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Daniel was going to use that magic cannon and pull us out of that rabbit hole and he just dug us deeper. Anyway, um, getting back on topic and moving off of this synchronous versus asynchronous and video topic, let's talk about our next question, and that is boosting and bolstering our management team. Very often, we're one person, maybe two people in a business, we don't necessarily have a big management team in the business, but there's a lot of issues that come up from time to time where as a sole person in the business, I may not be in a position to really think objectively about an issue because it's what fires are coming in right now that I have to address instead of thinking strategically down the road. And I believe that we talked about uh, thinking strategically in another episode. But when we're looking, though, at boosting and bolstering our management team, even if we're solopreneurs, what can we do in terms of making that stand out and helping us with some of those issues that may come in? Because from a leadership perspective, if we're the only person, leadership is just what we're doing for ourselves. Right? We can be the best leader, but if we don't have a team, who are we leading? Right? We're leading just ourselves. But is there anything that we can do? Because management is one of those things. First of all, some people specifically are looking for who is involved in the team. Right? Investors will always need to have a management team. How do I do that in a way if I'm still a really tight organization. Maybe it's husband and wife. Maybe it's two generations. Maybe it's siblings. What can you do in terms of boosting or bolstering the management team? So I would start with some kind of advisory board so that you've got people outside of yourself that can advise you on, you know, a variety of topics, uh, you know, and it, it could be the right mastermind group. It could be mentors. It could be you actually sit down and you have people on your advisory board, regardless of how large you are. And again, those advisory boards, and we've spoken about it in the past, the advisory board should be make it made up of 
the following types of people. And again, some industries may need more specialized advisory boards, but you want a banker, you want an attorney, you want an accountant, you want an insurance person, you want a industry mentor, and you may want a couple of other people in your advisory board as appropriate because the last thing you want is when you have a specific issue that comes up to have to first go out and ask those questions, to find the people and ask those questions. You'd rather ask first and address later. So in other words, if you have a business and your, business, your basement floods, you don't want to first find an insurance guy to ask the question, what do I do if my business floods? Right? If you are getting an, uh, an audit from the tax authorities, you don't want to be looking for an accountant. So you want to be really looking at what can you do to protect yourself up front as opposed to down the road. And so, Patricia, completely advisory boards are really important. Um, anything else that we should be looking at? Well, so I wanted to mention, you know, if we take that term manager or management, and a lot of times the first thought that might come to, into mind is a people manager. So somebody who's going to manage my team, they'll manage the employees. Uh, and certainly if you're at that point where you've got a team working for you, you've got employees uh, in the business that would be a great way to free up some more of your time. Delegate some of those duties to someone who is a manager. Um, maybe it's one of your uh, current employees you can promote. Uh, maybe you need to bring someone in from outside the business, uh, whatever situation you're at. Uh, Jennifer, you also mentioned though, for our solopreneurs out there. So if we take that term management and maybe think about Another task, another job of our manager is to also manage the workflow. It's to manage the work that's coming into the business. So sometimes we don't need a people manager. Maybe we need a work manager. Uh, so certain situation uh, right now, I'll talk about my wife, um, who is an assistant to an insurance agent. And her function for the last several agents that she has worked for, it hasn't been her title, uh, but she, her functional work has been to be the account manager. So she develops the relationships with the clients. She handles a lot of the issues that come up. Uh, she makes sure that um, they have the products that they need, even doing some cross promotion to other products. Um, and she makes sure that she works on the account retention. So for a solopreneur out there, maybe you need an account manager to work with some of your accounts. Maybe you need a manager of other kinds of workflow that you have in your business to take some of that work off of your plate, not just a virtual assistant who you can say, schedule this meeting, call this person, you know, like a, an actual assistant like that but maybe someone who can be more of a, a manager and can work in your business. Um, could be a 1099 person that you work with. It could be um, just somebody who does virtual assistant work uh, who wants to take on a little bit larger role in your business. But consider that as an option too. Manage the work, not the people that are in your business. Absolutely, and that's a great 
suggestion in terms of managing the work, not just the people, because if you know what you're taking in, you can control the output of what's coming in. Worst thing to do is take on too much that you can't ultimately get taken care of. And you can get in a lot of trouble when that happens. And so it's really important to think about it in that perspective. How do you continue to move forward as you are looking at what kind of work you're onboarding? So that is basically wrapping up our question and answer session from the questions that we've received recently. If you have additional questions and you are interested in having us answer those in a future episode, please email me, jennifer at bgsillc.com. I am happy to get that scheduled for a future topic. Uh, Daniel, Patricia, and I are always looking to make sure that we are out there to help you in terms of what we are trying to do. And so please reach out with your questions. We're happy to uh, get those answered for you. Let me ask you guys, though, as we wrap up our session, any final thoughts about the conversations that we did have today? Oh, now I'm casting back through the questions that we answered. <laughs> I'm trying not to have bad thoughts about LinkedIn as a dating service. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there we go there's there's my summary stop using linkedin as a dating service <laughs> by the way facebook also unless you're in the dating side of facebook same thing yeah totally i mean i don't know a lot of people who are going on to social media with the sole purpose of getting hit on and it's just have more of a conversation before you're directly trying to hit on someone because I don't know, it just, it seems creepy. It's very creepy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we got to end on a better note. So. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, hopefully we've given you some good ideas. Uh, even if these weren't your questions, um, hopefully you've got some ideas that you can take away and apply in your business. And I'll echo what Jennifer said. Uh, feel free, anyone who's listening to this, uh, reach out to us with any questions that you have. Um, we tried to do a live uh, Q&A podcast one time and we may schedule that again. So if you're interested in coming on with us and asking your questions live, let us know that too. We'll make sure that you're aware of the next one. Yeah, this was this was a good episode. I learned a few things. And reach out to us. Absolutely. And it's really important. Always keep learning. And so like Patricia was saying, she even learned a couple of things from our episode today. So it's really important as you think about what you're doing in your business. Keep learning. Keep yearning. Keep doing. And remember to implement whatever it is that you did learn in any way that you can move forward. On that note, this has been another episode of It's the Bottom Line That Matters podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, here's to your success. Thanks so much for listening to another amazing episode of It's the Bottom Line That Matters podcast. We're all about helping the small business community grow 
and reaching as many people as we can. And the algorithms on the podcast programs love reviews. So if you loved what you just heard, consider leaving us a review. And even if you don't, I'm sure you already did, but consider sharing our episodes and our podcast with your friends and colleagues. Sharing is caring and here's to your success. Thanks so much and have a wonderful day. It's the bottom line that matters.